Tandem Nomads, episode 136. And when the sacrifice is too big, when there's no incentive for one or the other, well, then people would decide not to leave anymore. It's not our duty as an employer to find a job for the partners. But I think it is our duty to take care of our partners and to help them in making sure that all the foundations are there. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host, Emel Deregi. I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. In today's episode, you will hear the story of a family officer from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Belgium who will share with us what she does to support dual career challenges and expat partners' careers, but also how our collaboration went with the Business Idea Accelerator, which is a program designed to help expat partners and expats and global nomads in general find the right business idea, make it portable, test it, before they can launch it. So if you're interested in the Business Idea Accelerator and want to know how to find the right business idea for you, sign up to the free webinar. And in order to do that, go to tandemnomads.com slash 136 and sign up there. Since the beginning of Tandem Nomads, there was one big um, topic that really, really was important to my heart, which was supporting the dual career challenges and advocating in terms of regulations and support within organizations to be able to bring the, the support that expat partners need on the move. I always said globalization was not possible without all these families that decided to move from a country to another. And um, there's also the fact that we have to admit that going abroad for a mission, for posting, when we're sent abroad is an amazing opportunity to discover the world. But this is real life. And when you do it from a move to another, it has consequences. And there are some things that as a Tandem Nomad, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, I believe in the importance of taking our destiny in our hands and not waiting for the support of outside factors. However, there are some aspects where we need the support of bigger organizations like the employers of the partners who are sent abroad. And this is why I'm really excited to bring up this topic to you with an amazing guest. And I'm so honored to have her on the show, who's the family officer of the Belgian ministry, Hildegard van de Vaud. Hildegard, are you ready for this ride? I am. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Hildegard. So, Nomad Nation, as I said, Hildegard is the family officer of the Belgian Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And among many of her missions, because she does so much within the ministry, she also provides support and guidance to the partners of the Belgian diplomats when sent abroad on a mission. So Hildegard has a master in Roman philo philology and a master in international relations and is specialized in financial instruments of trade. She's a TCK, a third culture kid, and raised three TCKs as she accompanied her husband for 25 years abroad and tried to continue her career working for UN 
and lobby groups. So she does know, on top of knowing her job as a family officer and being part of the ministry, she also knows what it is to be an expat partner and moving from a country to another. So Hildegard, I try to summarize your journey, which was so exciting, but it's hard to summarize it all. But is there anything that I've missed here? And tell us what is happening in your world right now. Oh, well, uh, good morning, everybody, and good, good morning, uh, Amel. Um, so I'm the, I'm the family officer, as you said, at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in, uh, in Belgium. And um, I'm attached to human resources. I've never really uh, handled human resources uh, before, but it's, but it's fascinating. And especially uh, when you look at... Uh, what a family officer should do in kind of giving help to the partners of the expats. Help that I have never received as a partner of an expat. I mean, if you look at society, society has really changed a lot. And while when you left 25 years ago, uh, it was so natural that you would accompany as a partner and there were no questions asked. And there wasn't even, the question wasn't even dropped if you wanted to work. It was just usually admitted that you were not interested in that. And so uh, I think I'm part of a generation where, um, well, uh, the partners at that time, the women, uh, became more educated and uh, really didn't want to uh, follow their partners uh, with closed eyes. And so the idea of finding a work abroad uh, became more and more important. And if you look at the evolution of society and the fact that the expats now are not uh, all male anymore and that uh, the partners are uh, also young professionals that want to continue their career, well, makes the, uh, the whole picture completely uh, different. And so within the ministry 12 years ago, uh, seeing that change, uh, they decided that uh, they needed to do something about helping partners uh, that were that were leaving with the diplomats, and that's how the family office was created. At the beginning, uh, so it's part of human relations. But at the beginning, it was uh, just one person with no budget, trying to figure out what the structure would be of the family office and being some kind of lobby group within the ministry. But little by little, it's kind of. Uh, grew to something more uh, comprehensive and with the true tasks within the organization um, that I'm uh, that I can explain to you if uh, yeah actually could you tell us what are the missions that you have as a family officer within the ministry well first of all if uh, you look at the partners uh, you should note one problem whenever an organization sends out a diplomat the contract, if there is a contract, is with the person you send abroad. It's not with the partner. So basically, there is nobody uh, that, if the partner has a problem, that will attend that partner within the organization. Well, one of the mission of the family officer is 
that he's the focal point for mm -hmm. all the partners. So mm -hmm. whenever there's a problem, whenever the partner has a problem, he cannot call just anybody within the organization, but he can call the family officer that could either have an answer for his problems, his or her problems, or check out within the organization how to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. So that's the second mission. It's the family officer is a bridge between the department and the partners, but also the family as a whole, uh, because basically the problems that are discussed are, are all problems related to expatriation and, and, and everything that has to do with your private life abroad. There's different actions that uh, family officers uh, is taking. One of the actions would be to propose new legislation uh, and propose new rules within the organization. I think that's very important. When all these partners communicate with the family officer, you can see that at a certain point you have recurring problems. And so when the problems are too much recurring, well, you know that your rules basically are not adapted anymore. And then, well, then it's time to ask yourself the questions, do I want to change those rules? And if the question is yes, how should I change them? And, uh, well, we're a ministry, so there's two ways of changing them. Either it concerns an internal rule, and then you go to the board of director and you make a proposition. Either it concerns a law, uh, that a certain law within your country uh, doesn't allow certain things. And then uh, you try to uh, propose a new law, That's which, is, which is obviously uh, something very much more complicated than going to the board of directors. Mm. But, uh, and it's also a, a, a much more lengthy uh, project. So rules and regulations... That's one. A second action that is very important, as within a ministry, there's a lot of rules and regulations. A very important aspect of uh, the job of a family officer is to, to communicate to the partners those rules and regulations, but to communicate them in such a way that, uh, well, they're understandable. And so uh, you vulgarize them a little bit. And uh, you make sure that people can integrate them so that they know within which framework they're uh, working. Mm -hmm. um, and then, obviously, uh, well, you try to help people solving general problems. Mm -hmm. When I say general problems, uh, it could be, uh, for example, problems related to working abroad. It would be, uh, for example, um, you would prepare people for their departure on a posting. Uh, you would uh, prepare them for uh, to look at their problems in a different way. So you would prepare them uh, psychologically speaking. And you would do that through a whole range of uh, workshops, conferences, uh, I would have a newsletter that I send once in a while to say also what's new and what's changed and, uh, and these kind of things. So 
uh, there again, communication is very is uh, quite important. Yeah. Wow. What a broad range you take care of, Hildegard. And I really was really excited when you accepted to come on the show because, for me, it's important to share that this position, first of all, exists. For those who don't know, it is possible. And whoever is listening, either you're part of ministry or a company, I know that if you're part of a company, you might not be able to duplicate this example, but you can get inspired by it to see how you can support and and how you can um, you know support the dual career challenges within your organization. Because Hildegard and I, we've been discussing this together, the challenges that it is to send people abroad nowadays because the spouses are not ref- accepting to to go abroad anymore sometimes. And, and there's a lack of um, sometimes of good candidate to send abroad. Do you agree with that? Well, um, there's plenty of candidates to go abroad. Uh, What has changed is that 25 years ago, well, one wouldn't really ask the advice of the or or the opinion of the spouse, the spouse (laughs) would just join. Today, people discuss that. And today, people leave as partners. Mm-hmm. And which is it, a good thing, by the way. <laughs> which is a very good thing. Uh, and when the sacrifice is too big, when there's no incentive for one or the other, well, then people would decide not to leave anymore. And what you see, for example, is that when people are young, and I'm looking at our trainees in their between 25 and 30 years old, well, they're very, very excited to go abroad. And usually that's quite easy. And then they would leave for four years and add another four years, have had a, quite some challenges during these eight years, and then they would come back to Brussels. And that's when the problem starts mm-hmm. because, well, they became more senior within the organization and they might be able to leave again after another four years to a more senior job. But the partner that has resettled home, that had to do again a whole transition, is often not interested anymore. And, well, one of the reasons is because they have to abandon again their career mm. and or have problems with the children or don't want uh, some adjustments because it's not only dual career, it's also uh, the fact of, of, of dragging because in eight years you have had the time to make a couple of children So, well, uh, moving with teenagers is a lot more difficult than moving with babies. Mm -hmm. And so basically, there's also all kind of other problems that that arise at that point. So you've been a real, I call you the trailblazer here, in the field of really getting an organization to invest in the support that's necessary. Because and also advocating for it because it is in the interest of the ministry to do so in order to fix this problem of having stability and people willing to go abroad with their family and continue to bring their expertise abroad. So, but you had to fight to be able to move certain the needle a bit further in your position and be able to implement a lot of new things. So, what what was necessary for you to be able to do the job? you want to do and bring the support you want to support to to have the hr listen to what you have to say well so i think it's 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 good to to know the needs of the people 
I mean, mm-hmm. um, and to listen to uh, the different partners and really have an exchange. And so once you have uh, the clear idea of what the needs are and you have the clear idea about what is possible within your organization, then you can check how to match it. And, mm-hmm. and it's not always easy to do. You, you, you cannot solve all the problems of all the people. I mean, that's, that's impossible. Sure. You, you have really to make some choices. And for example, in my case, uh, the last two years, I made some strategic choices. I thought it was very important to prepare people before they went on a posting. I mean, and preparing means giving them the framework of where they would, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. And then also prepare them to what will come. In my training programs, I have integrated, for example, a first aid course. Because I think that if you go to Africa or if you go to a country where hygiene is poor, you should be prepared. The second thing is, what will you do there? Will you go and work? Uh, What will be your options there? Then you need to check if you have a bilateral agreement with a country that will allow you to have, for example, a job permit. So imagine you're going to uh, South Africa. Belgium just signed a bilateral agreement of reciprocity with South Africa. So our partners now, when they leave for South Africa, they know that they have a work permit or they can get a work permit. So that's huge. So basically providing them, for example, with the lists of the countries that have bilateral agreements, that's very important. So it would mean that we're not offering them a job, but it would mean that they're able to look for a job in South Africa uh, if they abide to the laws, etc., etc. There, it's also important to say, oh, you need to abide to the laws. <laughs> and probably you will need to pay taxes in South Africa. And as you're a Belgian and married to a Belgian diplomat, you will have to pay taxes also in Belgium. So setting the framework and saying what you can expect, but also saying what you cannot expect is important because it will help people to prepare themselves. A lot of things became more more mm-hmm. easy a day like today, just because you have internet. It used mm-hmm. to be, well, when I left for the first time, there was no internet. So internet made certain things a lot easier. And even uh, within companies, things be- became also a lot more easy. You would have possibilities of teleworking. You would have possibilities of maybe uh, start your own portable career. You would be able to uh, do courses online. You would be able to uh, do whatever you need to do. So, so, yeah, so what you're doing here is, I just want to summarize a little bit to give an idea to whoever is listening. If you are in the position where you can influence such a position in your organization, or if you are a spouse who's listening and can have access to your 
partner or somebody in the company to advocate for such a position. And it doesn't have to be, it can be, or it can seem like, oh my God, my company will never do this. What I want to say here is it can be as simple as gathering information, like the information you said, like which countries allow you to work. It's all about setting expectations. And that's what I loved about what you said here, Hildegard, setting the expectation of what you can do and what you can't do, what you can and can't do. And that's a first step. And that should not take a lot of resources. Having just someone within the company to gather that information, put it in an intranet. I have a company, for example, that I've been in touch with that's been doing that. Putting that information so that we can at least get, remove that big hurdle of figuring out all the information in ourselves. And that's what you've been doing. And then comes the next level of what you've been amazing at doing is then bringing the trainings, bringing the knowledge, bringing the events. You do once a year a big conference. I know about that with everybody who comes home to get educated on all the aspects, moving, health, codes, and dual career challenges, family, schools, all the topics related to moves. And then the third level, which is also something you've been doing great. And I know that you've been doing that for many years, but once you came, you pushed it even to another level, which is advocating for change. Information is key. Yeah. I mean, the, the policy of the countries are sometimes changing. So you need to, to adjust it on a regular yeah. basis. And it's not because, for example, a country wouldn't want to sign an agreement 10 years ago that today they still don't want to sign an agreement. So if there's any of you who's listening and has part of a company and not a ministry, I want to say that don't think that you're, you can't do this. And maybe an idea would be to talk to your ministry of how you can partner with them as a company to bring that information forward of the challenges that expert partners are having in the legal aspects. and what we can do to advocate for a change there and a change of regulations. Because I always believe in the, in the power of numbers and the more people come in, the more power you have to negotiate. So I think this is just an idea that I want to throw in. And it doesn't have to be foreign affairs, by the way. It can be lobbying within more a government institution that can influence negotiations. I know, for example, uh, but, but that is not a government. Uh, there is uh, an association, uh, for example, uh, that is specialized. It, it's called Permit Foundation, and it's specialized in negotiating agreements uh, for expat spouses uh, that are non-diplomatic and, and they're, they're there to negotiate agreements between countries. It's called the Permit Foundation. Permit Foundation. Okay, Nomad Nation, I will put that link in the show notes of this episode. You go to tandemnomads.com slash 136. So these were just, I just wanted to put in some ideas for those who are listening who might think, oh, we can't do this. I'm just saying... This is for inspiration for you here. Uh, I know that a lot of you might also be family officers. So in your case, it's definitely a great inspiration. I'm sure that you already talked to each other. I know you're very well organized. But if you're not part of a ministry, think of this as an inspiration. I just think that what you're doing is really an amazing inspiration to think that it's possible. And a few years ago, what you're doing within the ministry was unimaginable to think of the investment and the efforts that are being done to support expat families and expat spouses. And I'm really, really excited to see what you're doing. We had the chance to work together, Hildegard. And one of the things you have done, I want to, I want to have a more a chapter here where we focus a bit more on the dual career challenges and what you've been doing for the spouses of the diplomats in Belgium with 
bringing up the option of starting a portable business. And that's where we work together through the Business Idea Accelerator, which is a program that I have to support expat partners build a portable business, but most importantly, find the right business idea for them. Because it's one thing to want to start a business. It's another thing to know how to find the right business idea. And by the way, if you want to uh, learn more about it and learn about those steps that are necessary to go through in order to find, uh, validate, test a business idea that is aligned with you and your lifestyle and the dual career challenges of expat spaces in general, make sure to not miss this free webinar that I'm organizing with Sunday Bean. Uh, in order to sign up, go to tandemnomads.com slash 136 and you'll find all the information right there and if any by any chance you go to this page after the webinar i'll make sure to be able to share with you something there that could also help you in order to know what are the different steps in order to find a business idea and what this program looks like go to tandemnomads.com slash 136 so this was a great experience, Hildegard. I just wanted to thank you about our collaboration. That was really great. And I want to know, you know, what convinced you to, do, to go into this, investing in this program? And how did you convince, you know, you, your, um, the ministry to invest in such a program? Because this is super rare to have an organization invest in the, such a program for dual career challenges. Well... Um, I mean, if you look at what has changed over the 10 years, I mean, it's basically, or 10, 15 years, it's basically the coming of internet. And so in trying to communicate with the people abroad, well, you, I always sent a newsletter and these kind of things, but I thought, I always thought that something was missing. I mean, you know, people don't, don't like to read anymore. And so basically, you send a newsletter, they might read uh, a few sentences, uh, so you, you really need to uh, organize it in a nutshell, and, and information doesn't come across. Well, internet has allowed us to um, be closer in communication, but also in uh, really bringing together people in a conference room while, while sitting at home. And so, actually, my problem is that if I organize conferences in Brussels, well, um, half of my population or half of my clients, if I can call them like that, will not be able to come because they're not going to pay for, uh, for a ticket uh, to, go, uh, to, go, to come to Brussels. So I, need to, I needed to look... Uh, into ways of uh, bringing them together around certain subjects. And one of the big challenges of expats is definitely trying to find a work abroad. I mean, for those that want to work. And the biggest, well, if you travel outside of the EU, then most probably it will become a lot more complicated and you need to be creative. I mean, it's not about, oh, uh, I just enroll into a program to look for work. No, you need to change fundamentally your way of looking at things. And um, 
when you look around you, I mean, you have a lot of uh, nomad workers that are popping up a little bit everywhere. You have a lot of workspace that uh, that is available. And people and, and companies, the structure of companies are changing. So our times are really changing. So why would you every time need to look for a work abroad? You might be able maybe to develop, develop something for yourself if you would want that. And then uh, be able to take that with you every time you move from country. And so it, it sounds like a dream. I mean, imagine, I mean, uh, in my case, I've had to change every four years and I, have, I had to re rethink myself every, every four years and every time had to try to find something new to do. In this case, you would be able to develop your thing and take it with you and make it grow. Uh, yet, uh, you need to be able to think out of the box to do that. And so uh, it's not that easy. When you leave abroad, uh, you're already uh, shaken uh, because leaving abroad is a big step. And if on top of that, you need to think out of the box and try to figure out what you will be able to do while your diplomas are not recognized, well, that's even more complicated. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and actually, that's, that has always been my frustration uh, when I was abroad. And uh, I thought that helping people to try and think, think creatively in terms of jobs uh, and think not only short term, but think more on a long term is much more interesting. So, uh, so in that sense, I've always been looking to develop programs that would address this. Mm -hmm. And when, uh, when I heard about the BIA, well, it kind of fits into my goals. And so I give it a go. I had drawn an action plan for the ministry with my different goals. And wow. one of the goals was to enhance uh, the, the possibility for partners to work. And so basically, I have an annual budget. And so it was already in my actions or, or my action plan for the two years to come. So it was a very natural fit and it was something easy to implement because, because that was part of my action plan. So my action plan was trying to help uh, partners to find a job or not to find a job, to help them uh, create conditions where they could be able to find a job. It's not our duty as an employer to find a job for the partners, but I think it is our duty to take care of our partners and to help them in making sure that all the foundations are there so that you would give them the most of the possibilities to find a job. 90% of the partners, the last two years of the trainees uh, before leaving on a posting had a job. 
Mm. And 90% of those partners still wanted to continue a job. Mm. So, I mean, if your new generation is as it is, then imagine the frustration if they don't find a job or if they don't find anything. You've nailed it. Uh, Hildegard, I wish I could like rewind everything you said in the last 10 minutes because it was, I don't know, Nomad Nation, if you paid attention, but you just shared so many important things. And I want to summarize just a little bit. It's going to be hard, but just to highlight a couple of things that you basically highlighted, I would say, let's say just two things that I want to, to really make sure that we don't miss out here. You kind of made a whole episode for me here on why building a portable business is a great opportunity to turn the dual career challenges into a solution. So you talked about internet, you talked about how that solution, and then you talked about the percentage of number of people who worked before compared to uh, who worked, worked before going abroad and now still want to continue to work. And that's the big shift that's happening with a new generation. So I think that is enormous thing to realize and but also the fact that you had worked on this and it was part of your goals to support dual career challenges and that's why you could invest in this program you had made it one of your goals and you also made a survey to understand the needs of your members so i think that's like the work the pre if i just summarize it i would say that it's the work that you've done ahead of time is the work that you've done before that allowed you to be able to invest in this program. That was, like you said, a natural fit. So if you haven't done that research and made it a goal, it might have not been able to, it was just the right time, the right fit, but you had done the preliminary work to be able to understand what your constituency needs to be able to, to support the ministry to actually be able to send the right people abroad despite the dual career challenges. Plus all the other support that you bring, the legal information, the psychological support, etc. Okay, so could you share with us before we finish some of the the results you could get? You had 14 people join this the BIA, the Business Idea Accelerator. Uh, can you share with us some of the results you got out of this program for your for the expert part, the diplomatic partners that you have? So f for us, the BIA was uh, was basically a first test, mm -hmm. and um, I think. It, it was very interesting in, in, for different reasons. First of all, well, we, um, we allowed in, in, in our BIA program only people from our organization. And basically, that, uh, the fact that people come online and that they hear about their mutual problems into adapting uh, their situation to some kind of solution well already makes them feel together there's some kind of belonging to community belonging to something which already is a first step and a very important step and um, so i'm sure there's some friendships that uh, that came around etc and within the bia uh people were also able to suggest certain things to others. I mean, you're, you often share the same kind of problems. And so, and so it was a very nice platform to share. The BIA was really about a method, a, a, a way of thinking on how you could change your competencies 
all the richness you had in you, all the experience you had in you, uh, your diplomas, whatever you could do, into something, something that would generate money. Because basically, uh, the idea would be to go into a portable business. But it was a good program in trying to help you think differently. For example, there were uh, at our BIA uh, program a couple of people, and, and I hope they don't mind uh, I talk about them, uh, but I'll do it very generally. Uh, there were a couple of psychologists. Well, if you go around the world, um, most of the time your diploma will not be will well will not be legalized. You will not be able to work as a psychologist, but that doesn't mean that uh, you cannot use uh, whatever you've learned in that diploma into doing other things. And, uh, and so basically, uh, well, in the end of the BIA, uh, they ended up with a result that was uh, quite amazing because it had nothing to do with psychology. And yet certain psychological uh, instruments were still embedded in the ideas they found. Mm -hmm. and, and, so, uh, and so I think that's the richness of the program. And so, and so if you look at the results on um, 14 people, well, I had uh, two people dropping out, but then maybe that wasn't, th that wasn't a problem because maybe, I mean, a portable business is not for everyone. For you to have tested and to know that it's not for you is already uh, to advance yourself. Mm -hmm. Then certain people, uh, I had, I had the, the, on the other side, uh, people that are really ready to start something, uh, something new and that are, as we speak, testing it. I had a uh, different exchange of emails of, uh, because net now comes next level, uh, the finding uh, the legal resources, the fiscal resources, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, and then there's the whole range of people that was in between that maybe hasn't find found the right idea, but that has now a methodology on how to check upon new ideas and to, to kind of have a sense of how to be able to uh, see if that idea is viable or not. And so I would say that it gave a, a lot of potential to the people. Obviously, it takes, it takes quite an effort to, be, to build a portable business. So, uh, and it doesn't happen overnight to, to get a first start. Yeah. And I think that's important. So I love how you summarize the three categories because that's the goal of, of the BIA. It's either you figure, one, you figure out if you want to start a business to know if this is for you. Number two is know what's the methodology once you find a business idea to test it. First of all, how to find it and how to test it. And third, if you have it during the program, you have all the tools so that you can start going and, and testing it like some of the members now that are doing it. So I love that you summarize it so well. But uh, I also want to tell you that I've been talking to the members and I actually met some of them in Bangkok too. And they're so grateful for the work you've been done doing for them. They're so, um, you've been fighting to be able to give them this opportunity 
to support them with the knowledge they need to consider portable business as a long-term solution to their dual career challenges. So for that, I want to thank you, Hildegard. You've been doing a fantastic job there. And um, so Nomad Nation, if you're in this, interested in this program, the Business Idea Accelerator, I'll put the link and all the information in the webpage of this episode 136. It's a program that's available for corporates, organizations, but also individuals. Go to tandemnomads.com slash 136. Before we leave, I just want to go back to the big important topic here about how organizations can support dual career challenges and what would be your final word, Hildegard, to anyone who's listening here? Well, I mean, as an organization, I think you should you should ask yourself a couple of key questions. If you send people abroad, the balance between private and public, between private and your job, is very important. And so if the person you send abroad is not is unhappy, he will not fun- function well. Mm-hmm. So even if there is a cost into supporting the partners, I mean, the cost is really worthwhile because basically uh, if you send a happy couple, well, you, you will get much more return on investment. The second question is probably, uh, is absolutely linked to that. Until where do you want to go? I mean, uh, and where starts the individual choice? of the person and where ends your responsibility in terms of company towards the partners. And I think that's a choice that you really want to make. In our case, for example, we will not go into uh, fiscal implications of the portable career. Uh, We might give a general overview, but well, uh, if if somebody uh, needs to pay his taxes in Mozambique and how he should do it, that's really his homework. So it's very important to to set your limits and to say, okay, we as an organization want to tackle these subjects and these subjects, and and we will do it until that limit. And that's an ongoing discussion also with the board of directors, etc., to see to to really set good limits on uh, what you will do as an organization yeah, that's and what you will not do. And then also, well, in your contact with the partners, uh, maybe give them some resources or where they could find the solutions, mm-hmm. but uh, not go into individual choices. Yeah, it's very important to highlight that. You, know, you can provide the resources, but you can't provide all the solutions but you're already doing so much by saving all the hustle and the time to know where to look for guidance. So that's what you've been really instrumental at helping the spouses of the diplomatic ministry. It's, I remember when I started, I had to figure out everything on my own. And I so wished I had somebody like you in my organization to guide me where to find the information. If I hadn't and at the same time, if I had found it, I would have not started Tandem Nomads probably. <laughs> but but um, that's so huge. It's already huge. So don't expect to fix all the problems for the expat partners, but at least giving them the resources of where to find the solutions. That's a great message here to end with. Thank you so much, Hildegard. 
for sharing your very inspiring story. And thank you again for being such a great um, advocate for the expert partners and diplomatic spouses around the world. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So Nomad Nation, if you want to check out all the resources that we mentioned here and also the information about the BIA, go to tandemnomads.com slash 136 and share with us in the comment section of this episode if you, your organization has such support and let us know more about it and uh, any comments that you have about this episode, feel free to share. And I look forward to meeting you in the next episode. Stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.